We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Let's talk about the song Crypto Wrote About Me as I walked on by. Oh, you would walk by me? And I hurt your metaphysical soul. (laughs) (laughs) It broke my heart. (laughs) Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una. And I'm the guy that got stood up crypto. And if you're new to the Codex Cantina, we take a conversational approach to the stories that we read. Hit that subscribe button if you're down for that. And as always, we start off with publication information. The 1963-1982 Girlfriend Empanema was published in April of 1982 in the magazine Tore Furu. And our version was translated by Jay Rubin. Haruki Murakami, a name that needs no introduction to many familiar with Japanese literature, but to us... He does, because we are just getting into him. I've heard his name for years and failed at getting to it. We're finally solving that here this week as we're recording two Murakami stories here tonight. As we started into this journey, I did a little bit of research, and this poor fellow always seems to be on the cusp of winning the Nobel Prize, but never quite gets there. And that kind of fascinates me because his writing, just early getting into it, is amazing. And he even quotes himself as a novelist by chance, where his inspiration comes from normal everyday events. And I feel like both of these stories kind of represent that because the girl from Ipanema, if you didn't know, is actually based on a real song that that you and I can go out and listen to uh, if we wanted to right now. And it was written by Getz and Gilberto and was released in March of 1964. If you look it up biographically, they they were sitting there on the beach and this beautiful girl walked by. They wrote this song about her, and bada boom, bada bing, one of the most popular Latin American songs ever created just from a girl walking by them on the way to the beach that didn't really pay them any mind or attention. I think it's really important to know that because I didn't know that going into this story, and that information gives a lot of background and will help you, you know, tease out some of the, you know, more important information in the story. And it's cool because Murakami admits in the foreword of this that it's actually one of his favorite songs. So it's kind of cool to see him. He's one of those authors that appears to just take normal everyday events and then creates these fantastic and interesting ways to explore them, right? Shining a new light on a traditional uh, view is one way to look at what we've seen so far. Yeah, and that kind of brings us to the idea of him taking the mundane and having some really creative themes with such a simple song. We're going to talk about memory. We're going to talk about little quantum theory and, you know, obviously art and its reflection in the world. So what we do is we go through a quick plot recap to make sure we're all on the same page, and then we're going to hit up that discussion and analysis. Let's do this. So for plot, it opens with this epigraph that is really kind of the lyrics from the girl from Ipanema, but not exactly. I don't know if it's a translation from the Japanese version, but it's not the exact same that Frank Sinatra sings in English. But it quickly jumps over into a first-person perspective, and we start off in the year 1982 a.k.a. the year that this short story was published, right? (laughs) The present of of the writing of this. And we have this unnamed narrator who thinks about the classic bossa nova song, The Girl from Ipanema, which came out in early 60s, right? Hence the 1963-1982 title of this short story. 
So our narrator ponders how the song that was written about a girl back in 1963, that if that girl from Ipanema was here today, she would have been older, wider, and even have had children in 1982 as opposed to 1963. But the girl that he knows remains the same as she was back in 1963. We jump off to these random memories from the narrator, going down a long hallway at school, eating salad with a girl, etc. And eventually, we meet the girl from Ipanema, literally, metaphysically. She comes out of this moment in time, from this memory, from this record, and we actually meet her in real life along with the narrator. We give her a beer, and uh, it hits some memories for her that we don't have. (laughs) She's just staring at that beer can. And over time, we kind of nod to her as we pass by her in places such as the subway, and the narrator ends with thinking about how memories are linked. And then there's kind of like an omniscient speech at the end where we learn the girl walks on the beach until the record wears out. End plot. (laughs) It's kind of fitting, right? (laughs) Kind of like life ending and wearing out. Well, it's it's fun to me because this this really reminds me of that concept of memories because what because when I think about it, what makes a memory stick to us? You know what I mean? Like there's times where you want to remember something and you can't. And there's times where you remember like the dumbest things and they're just like, yeah, that one thing happened. I did find a penny on the ground 20 years ago and I remember exactly where it was. I remember what I was wearing at the time. Like it's so weird how memories are kind of preserved. And the way they chose this girl from Ipanema, which just so happened to be one of Murakami's songs, perhaps he looked up some of the biographical information to, to write this, I don't know. But it, it comes down to these, these singer-songwriters, they see this girl walking down the beach. She, hasn't, she probably didn't even know them, didn't recognize them, and all of a sudden, she's immortalized in this song where millions of people have heard this song over time and probably have their own connections. And, you know, her memory in a sense is being preserved in a very strange way uh, that, that it's just kind of weird to think about, I think. It's really weird for me because I don't have that connection to music like a lot of people. And I struggle with that. And it is really cool to think that so many people could have all these interconnected memories based off of one person that nobody has ever met as well. And the quote, inside my record, of course, she hasn't grown any older. Wrapped in the velvet of Stan Getz's tenor sax, she's as cool as ever. The gently swaying girl from Ipanema. I put the record on the turntable, set the needle in the groove, and there she is. And boom, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, how these memories can be preserved perfectly, right? You get older, but that memory might remain the same. Like, don't get me wrong, memories degrade, right? But that's kind of what I feel like Murakami's exploring here, right? And then we go off into these weird memories, right? Like the hallway, the girl eating salad. Like, why are these memories <laughs> that I recall? And uh, why is it that this girl just walking to the beach one day is something that got like preserved for for art, for people to appreciate? Because I think we all can kind of relate to that concept of seeing someone that we perhaps long for or are interested in, and they just walk by without paying you any mind or attention, not to be mean, but they're just going about their day. And while your entire day might revolve around, you know, va va voom, you know, seeing this moment, they have no idea. They're going to the beach to pick up seashells for Sally by the seashore. <laughs> they had no <laughs> idea that, 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 you, that they were an object or subject of fixation for, for these writers on the beach. 
I think a lot of us can appreciate that or maybe empathize with that, that you've pined over somebody from afar or you've had feelings, a crush on somebody, and they had no clue or concept whatsoever. And maybe you wrote them poetry or you drew a picture of them or, you know, wrote them a poem or sang them a song and they had no clue whatsoever. I, I think that a lot of us can see that. I think it's always interesting that these memories not only do they degrade, but I think that we start to believe the degraded memories over time. And that's what happens in this story is that they start to believe or they start to combine their memories together to make it a happier memory. Because nobody wants to remember, you know, the tragedies. We try to hold on to the positive parts of our life as we get older. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's kind of reinforced in this story, too, where they even talk about subject and object, right? Where you're whether you're the object or the subject are two very different things in the story. And it's very true for how the girl from Ipanema was preserved, right? We have the quote, the human essence lies in complexity. She replies, the objects of scientific investigation lie not in the object, you know, but in the subject contained within the human body. Oh, okay. Nice opening line there, girl from Ipanema. <laughs> but this was actually, I thought, a, a fun way to think about this subject, too, because we have the subject is the person or the thing doing something, right? And we have the object is having something done to it. And in the story, the girl from Ipanema goes on walking. Yeah. So in our world, she's the subject, right? She's the one that's going on doing the, the walking and isn't just an object. And that just, that's a matter of perspective. And I think that can even come back to art in general too, how we're talking about this record, where you were talking about earlier, where maybe you don't have that connection to music the way that some people do. Art and our reaction to it, whether, whether we're the subject or the object, has a very different meaning. And it's very different for each one of us. And I think you can maybe see a little bit of the reverse side of that, right? So we're, we're talking about how we apply so much meaning to something. But that role is reversed in the story. Because if you remember, there's that scene where the girl from Ipanema is looking at a beer can. And it's just like, so what? She's looking at a beer can, right? She empties half the beer can in one gulp, then stares at the hole in the top. It's just an ordinary beer can with an ordinary hole. But the way she stares at the opening, it seems to take on a special significance as if the entire world were going to slip inside. And boom, now we see she's having that very subjective and uh, special meaning with whatever that empty beer can's reminding her of. <laughs> but we're left out in the cold. Well, I'm now having the crypto experience where I don't relate to that beer can, while she's having the Una experience where she is relating to that beer can in some way. So we see both sides of the coin in the story. Do you think it anything could be a beer can? for certain people in certain situations or you go into that zoning out a lot of times where you're just drifting off into space because a smell or a sound or an object has brought you back to a memory and I've known my wife done that before and she'll like snap in front of my face and be like hey where were you at I'm like oh oh wow I was like that was trippy I was 17 again and I was at doing da 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 and it just yeah that that's that's really weird how a specific object could bring somebody to that state of remembering what was something important in our lives. And there's one quote in the story where it says, Long, long ago, wrote a certain philosopher, there was a time when matter and memory were separated by a metaphysical abyss. And I got curious. I had to Google that one. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> and it brought me to Henri Bergson, who I did know from my armchair philosophy of reading these 101 philosophy books and stuff. And he actually has a really cool thing about memory, too. He's got this idea where if you look at a city, 
how do you know what a city is? He's making the argument that memories aren't just something that exists biologically in the spinal cord or in our brains. He's making the argument where you can take millions of pictures of a city and you can look at all of them, but you're still not going to really know the city. You know what I mean? Like you can look at a picture, but that doesn't mean you know that experience. Or you can walk through the city streets one, one afternoon. Just spend an afternoon walking through the city. You hear the smells. You see the way that people move. You see the way people react. And that's when you know something. You would more likely know that city than you would if you were to look at the pictures all over the city, know much more of the city. You wouldn't actually know or be able to experience it. And that's that idea coming back to the subjectivity of things. You have to have this intuition and experience to kind of have this reality, to have these memories and if you don't have that, well, then then that's not really knowing something, right? You can look at 100 pictures of something, but until you actually dance with the girl from Ipanema and nod to her on the subway, you don't really know her, right? So I think that's kind of one of those, uh, another one of those plays on what does it mean to create memories and what does it mean to have these experiences in life? Oh, food, 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 food. You can look at all the recipes you want, but until you cook that food and try it, you'll never know if you yeah. like it or not. So, I don't know. I, I liked Murakami's exploration of memory, the idea of art and, and how that's represented in our brains in terms of how we interact with memories. And can a memory be the same for two different people? Maybe there's just too much subjectivity in some things, too whether it be my beer can or, or my entire galaxy sitting in the opening of this can. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that it can be to an extent of your, not just your interpretation, but I think your feelings towards that memory where you and I have a connectedness to Star Wars. We've literally never watched a Star Wars movie together, but we still have both positive emotional feelings towards viewing that as young children. And that brings us closer together. And I think that's what he's trying to do here is with that song, even though nobody knew who the girl was, it was still able to bring all of these people together. Imagine being that girl and being like, wait, that song was about me? <laughs> <laughs> that's a different song. <laughs> you think this song is about you. <laughs> but I think you can even see a little bit because in today's culture, it's very common to send gifts to react to things as opposed to using words in a chat room. And if we think about it, maybe we've both seen that movie or that TV show or like, you know, like that YouTube video and seeing the emotion that that is kind of captured from watching that and using that emotion of rewatching a scene, reliving the intuitive moments of life, I think allows us to connect more deeply than perhaps even using words. And I know at first when that first started happening, I was kind of like a little bit annoyed, but maybe just now, right now, live on this chat, not expecting to think about it. <laughs> it's made me realize that using those gifts is pulling on the emotions of, oh, I used this gift from the movie Hercules, Disney's Hercules, and we both really liked that movie and had this experience and reaction to it. And that's one way to share and connect to a moment beyond just using words, using a whole bunch of pictures and not intuitively feeling the moment. I'm the gift master, and I like to use those as a reply more often than I do actual words, because I feel like that that art form is able to convey how I feel about something. So instead of telling you, I'm just going to raise my hand and you're going to insert insert the gift here for me later. <laughs> so we are going to leave the Murakami playlist down below where we're releasing two short stories. And actually next month we're doing Kafka on the shore. So if you're a fan of Murakami, you know, jump on board that playlist, join us on this, you know, this journey by hitting that subscribe button. Crypto, give me your subjective reaction 
to this this short story. I think this is the first one that we've come into this, and I'm really trying to get a feel for it. I don't know a ton about the author. I've had to do just a tiny bit of research and trying to place myself into this different culture and way of looking at stories in life. I'm going to give it a seven for uh, both the enjoyment and analysis, you know, what, what I can get out of this story. I think it's really cool that someone's able to take something so simple as a song and then turn it into an entire story on top of that. That always impresses me when art can affect art on top of itself. Very, very neat. Well, interestingly enough, Murakami is actually known for being very Western in his writing, that he's actually very accessible for some people. And you'll see that as we kind of compare it with a whole bunch of Japanese literature that we're releasing this month. Um, for me, this definitely hit for me. You know, I'm the music man. I, I, I connect with those very well. I'll go with 8.5. I really enjoyed the story. I like that concept. And I guess the live realization, thinking about gifts right now as we talk about it, that was worth it for me. So I definitely liked it and would recommend it as a very short story for you, uh, especially if you're out there trying to check out more stuff like Murakami. So guys, we appreciate your time today. Hit that subscribe button to join us on the journey. We post videos every Monday and Thursday. Una out. Peace.